Ooh, well, we're uh, back. This is like the third third time. <laughs> you know what I'm blaming it on? I'm blaming I'm blaming it on the ghosts and the goblins and the witches and <laughs> all of those pe- things that are spirits that are coming out for Halloween. It's not Groundhog right, Day, is it? <laughs> yeah, but we're back live, so no buffering issues, uh, no echo now. Right, and we figured that all out. We figured it out. We figured all it right. out, and uh, we are back here live, and um, you know, got to start all over again here on Leaving Ring. So I uh, apologize for the folks that were on the chat room, and uh, hopefully we can get everybody back on that was coming through. I'm going to yeah. tweet out again uh, that we are back live again. Absolutely. And hopefully people will know that, uh, that yeah, these things happen, unfortunately, from time to time. Um, technical issues. And we are a live show, so we don't pre-record and then upload. Um, but uh, the good thing is we're both two guys that learn from our mistakes. And we <laughs> and now know. Yeah, and we're patient. And we, and we, <laughs> we know that there's no malicious <laughs> intent here. Savagely so, uh, boxing, my mind just said, "Y'all sound good and you look good." <laughs> okay, that's Man. good. Thank yeah. you, Familia. I appreciate that. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, all right, let's 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 just restart all over again. Yeah, um, let's go back to the top. Uh, right. You want to start off with the with the Chocolatito fight? Let's start off with the Chocolatito fight. Uh, off of his performance, like I said, uh, I'll start this again. Is uh, I thought he did a hell of performance. Uh, like I said on the round table, you know, when the guys are in the smaller weight division, it could go south pretty quick because, you know, in, in reality, these guys are not supposed to have a second part of their career. So to see Chocolatito do that and get in there with a young gun like Gonzalez and keep up with them, was able to conserve energy, look strong in the later rounds, um, you know, cut off the ring, apply the pressure that he was able to apply Again, I was in awe with that performance, you know. Yeah. Um, and it left me believing that that he's going to be very hard and very difficult to beat come rematch with Estrada. I, I I don't know about you, but he's a very very live dog in this fight here. I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily even call him the underdog. Uh, in my opinion, off, off of both of their performances, and Estrada getting dropped early from Cuadros. And in a very back-and-forth tug-of-war between the two, Estrada and Cuadros, this fight across the board, to me, um, I think the betting odds are going to be pretty pretty even until close to fight night, whenever that fight happens. It's going to be in Southern California because I know Eddie Hearn and DeZone would love to have a live audience and open gate there. So yeah. um, let's keep our fingers crossed and see what happens there. Uh, I don't know about you, Mokar, but like I said, I think this is a 50-50 fight. Uh, when it comes to the rematch between Chocolatito and uh, Estrada. Well, and I'm going to bring up some video highlights of it. Uh, you know, we'll, we won't share the audio, but we'll have we'll have some video up here of, of the fight. You know, I was fairly uh, impressed, as I said earlier, with the fact that he could go 12 rounds. Um, right. But, you know, let's be honest. Jiga Gonzalez was a 23-year-old uh, who went in there uh, with three losses, if I remember correctly, and pushed Chocolatito the full 12-round distance. I I think personally, and I said this earlier before we went dead during the broadcast, that a prime Chocolatito would have dispatched uh, 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 
of a guy like of this caliber um, fairly early. Uh, the the Chocolatito we saw prior to the um, the loss with Sor Rungvisai, uh what would have I believe dispatched um, dispatched of this opponent. Now you you can see him. You know, being the classic Chocolatito, pressuring him, going to the, sending him to the ropes. Uh, you know, using using head movement. Um, you know, making the other the, the, the other Gonzalez. Uh, you know, put him on the back foot and making him defensive. But you can see that you know, the other Gonzalez, Jiga Gonzalez, was not at all um, intimidating. You can see him here throwing ones and twos and and. In combinations on Chocolatito, uh, Chocolatito well, I, took them well. But uh, right. yeah, go ahead, Dave. Well, like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the younger Gonzalez uh, had a good game plan. It wasn't like they went out there and depended on youth. You could see the the clear movement, the hand speed, putting punches together, uh, almost trying to mirror what Gonzalez was doing to him, which was work the body and come back to the head. But yeah, the difference was is that. Chocolatito was able to Ooh, look at his, that body shot. Right. He was yeah. able to, to, to sit on his punches when it was necessary, you know, and he was able to time them when it was necessary, you know, and, and that's something that, that a lot of older fighters kind of tend to lose. And it's, yeah. I think it's astonishing to see that he's still, he's able to still capture that. Yeah, you're right. He might've taken this guy out in his prime, but this is prime enough for me that he can give anybody in that division uh, a run for their money, especially uh, Francisco Estrada. Uh, Hypo, what's up, brother? Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, I agree with with uh, boxing, my, my mind. Uh, whether it's in Mexico, whether it's in L.A., I would slightly still favor Estrada, but the Cuadros fight did leave me wondering if, if, if Chocolatito was able to sit on those punches the way he was doing against this young Gonzalez, he could possibly drop him. Yeah, you mean drop Estrada? Drop Estrada, yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. I mean, it, it, I, I definitely don't think that at this point in of, of his career that Chocolatito is any lesser of a fighter than Carlos Cuadras. And Carlos Cuadras put him on his ass. Um, but at the same time, yeah. I'm seeing a guy here who's eating up a lot of punches, uh, and allowing, you know, a, a lesser skilled opponent to kind of land on him. Um, had Jiga Gonzalez had had any more, uh, you know, punching power? Yeah, I think that's some that's of the, the some, thing there. Yeah, right. some of the body attack he was he was putting on Chocolatito might have taken some of those old legs out of him. Um, but you know, Chocolatito, look, he's got an engine, uh, and he's got a will to, to win and a will to fight. So that that on its own is going to make. This rematch uh, with with uh, El Gallo uh, Estrada, some something that we should all look forward to. Right, and I think that's why I would edge El Gallo to over Chocolatito because the fact that, like you just mentioned, two there's two things here: the head movement, obviously, uh, is not there. Okay, and the reason why the head movement is not there is because he is focusing on two things. He's focusing on coming forward. He's focusing on planning his punches and his, his three, there's three things. And then he's focusing on those combinations of what he's going to throw. Very fluently, he's doing it. Okay, but those are the three things that he's focusing. But here's another thing, though, that Estrada's good. 
his team should be able to see, which we're seeing here, is what you mentioned, the head movement. So that means that Estrada is is going to be able to be, be, be in the pocket with them and throw a volume of punches, and they're going to land. So this is, to me, is who's going to land the bigger shots in the rematch, who's going to land the more significant shots in the rematch, and who can hold up to those shots in the later stretch of the fight. Yeah, and... You know, this is where me we might disagree, but I think that person is definitely going to be uh, Estrada. Um, on the back end of that fight, and we'll go to it next. He he went to another he went to another level, and he dispatched of his opponent. I didn't see Chocolatito do that here. I saw Chocolatito essentially go to full twelve rounds with a, a young kid that was essentially brought in to kind of be a stepping stone. Um, I mean, I shouldn't really say stepping stone because of all that Chocolatito has accomplished, but, you know, essentially someone that he should be getting a victory over. And um, I, I personally... I think this is a great, honestly, I think this yeah. is a great opponent to boost yourself up, to yeah. boost yourself up. And one is that this could have went terribly wrong. You went in with a kid that is that is is way younger, you know, uh, uh um, that w- ambitious in there, uh, definitely showed up to fight and win on that card on that Friday on the undercard of the, of the main event there. And if I was Team Chocolatito, that what I saw, I would be completely satisfied and more confident going into the Estrada fight because I know that my guy still got he's got juice in his legs and he still got a chin and he can still throw. For 12 rounds, you know, yeah, he, maybe what he's not you, the old Chocolatito, but he's definitely durable right now still to, to Francisco Estrada, in my opinion. I mean, he is catching a lot of Gonzalez's shots on his gloves, as we can see, but he's also eating a fair share of punches. Um, he is. He is. And I think it might have been a different fight and, if, if and this is a 12, had power. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the 12th round, and Gonzalez is still throwing, you know, three and four punch combinations. On Chocolatito. Um, you know, the, the Estrada, and we'll get to the fight next, that, that finished uh, Quadras uh, right. later, I, I think would not be just standing here and taking these shots. I actually think that he would be potentially knocking out Chocolatito. But, you know, it, it, the, the good thing about this fight is we know it's going to be a war and we know it's going to be a fan-friendly, oh, entertaining fight. Fan friendly, you know the difference with Estrada and against Gonzalez here. Which again, I say that kudos to for the, the, the young Gonzalez went out there. It was a high level fight. Um, he should be proud of himself. You know, went twelve rounds, brutal rounds. Okay, yeah, uh, was very competitive. He's only going to learn from this. What he lacked, though, and again had a great, a great, great game plan against Ocletito. You know, he moved. He was throwing when he needed to throw. He punched in between the punches of, of Chocolatito. But the thing is, is that what he lacked is what Estrada is going to bring, which is a bit more power and a little yeah. bit more experience. Estrada is going to be able to do things in there that the young Gonzalez wasn't able to do. He wasn't able to sneak in certain shots or even bully Chocolatito, like let him know that, hey, I got punching power too. I need to humble you. Estrada will be able to do that. And I think that's what's going to make the huge difference in the rematch there. And I think I think that's what's going to make – uh, uh, make for a great fight because it's going to be two guys that are familiar with each other, but also two guys trying to remind each other. One guy's going to remind the other guy, Hey, I beat you once. Okay. And 
you guys thought you guys wrote me off. And I just showed against the young gun that I'm still here. And Estrada is going to go in there saying, hey, you beat me once, but this is a completely different time and it's my time. Yeah, absolutely. And there are also two guys, especially at this stage in their career with their older legs. Yeah. Um, they, obviously, the, as the old adage goes, you know, punching power is the last thing to, to leave a boxer. Right. And they obviously both have the punching power to um, to knock each other out and, and to hurt each other. And, and for that reason alone, this is going to be a very exciting fight because they're obviously two very highly skilled professional fighters. If you're just tuning in right now, please hit that like button and hit the subscribe button and hit that notification bell so you guys know when we're on live. Um, just to let you know, we are a live on live show, so we do have some technical problems. Hey, I want to thank everybody that's in the chat room. Uh, Savagely Boxing Mind, Hypo Type, uh, Anopa, uh, A-Rod, anybody that's joining in the chat room here with us. And uh, thanks for hanging in there, even though I know we fell off a few times. Uh, third time's a charm here. On yeah. leaving the ring, but uh, wouldn't make leaving the ring if we didn't have some technical problems. Uh, you know, we used to have all kinds of technical problems on Block Talk, now it's we're over here trying to do on YouTube, we're still having more technical problems here. But uh, let's move on to the Quadros and Astrada fight, which a lot of folks have been saying it is potentially fight of the year, which I think is fantastic because really I didn't think we were going to get much, um, being that we are living in the COVID era at this moment. And I thought that COVID was just going to keep us away from any type of sports, especially boxing. The one, the one truly sport that we, we love here and hearing would like to I mean, zone, you know, absolutely. So just as we get into kind of looking at this fight and discussing it right off the bat, you see that it was a much more even, even contest. Right. You had a guy who was 30 against a guy who was 32. They both started their pro careers the same years. And they essentially had mirror image uh, results in terms of 43, 43 uh, fights, 27 right. knockouts. Uh, they obviously have history. And this, to me, was, was a fight I was looking forward to more. Not, not because of any, anything, lack of interest in, in uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez, more to do with my lack of interest in, in his opponent, Jiga Gonzalez, who actually ended up being a surprise for me because he actually boxed a lot better than I thought he would. Right, right, you know. Uh, what's up, V-Style? Thanks for joining us, bro. Um, again, you know, everybody, thanks for coming on here. Again, uh, a lot of folks, sir, I just, I love the fact that now we have a whole category and we do have a couple of fights that we can say are fight of the year. Um, so it's going to give us some talk to talk about in mid-December uh, and stuff, you know. Um, he and got that was the it, right? That was, that it, was right it right there. there. I'll, I'll play it back. You know, he, he has his hand. He had his hands down a bit too much for my liking. Well, he and was kind of squared up right walking, there with that uppercut. Yeah, he was squared up. Yeah, and he, yeah. he kind of was was retreating backwards and, and got knocked down. Um, but, uh, you know, it was it was at after this point, and I mentioned this before we went on our break caused by a technical issue that then we saw kind of, uh, Estrada turn it up a, a, into another gear and um, come forward a lot more than he had been uh, early on in the fight. Because let's face it, Estrada can actually perform very, very well as a counterpuncher as much as he can as a kind of an inside pressure fighter. So he's he's a very well-rounded, high, highly skilled fighter in that regard. 
But uh, as you said earlier too, Dave, I mean, as uh, Quadras really, really brought it as well. No, I did, you know, and uh, my big question was like, even on that round table that we oh. did uh, this past Thursday was uh, we knew that Quadras had a lot of miles. How was he going to look, um, you know, even though they're close in age, similar amount of fights. I mean, actual the same amount of fights and in, 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 in KOs under the on the record. Quadros was the one with me with the big question mark, uh, but he goes out there and you see immediately, you know, he wanted to show uh, a star that he was in for a, a real war. And that's actually what we got. I mean, both guys were having their moments, you know, and they were this to me was just like, like I said, it was a classic HBO boxing after dark. It took me back. That's why, Oof. that's why I felt, I literally felt like I was in a time machine and I loved every, every second and every minute of every single round that, that these guys displayed on Friday night. And what I love to see, obviously, with these two fighters, and you see it a lot in the lower weight classes, is just the punch variety. It's, it's oh, a lot yeah. more than just jabs and right hands, which is what we saw in, in the Showtime card. Uh, if we have time, we can get to that later. But both of these guys are Ooh. throwing straight rights, roundhouse rights, left uppercuts, right uppercuts, left hooks, right hooks. I mean, look at this. Yeah, I mean, this is the, this is a kind of boxing that you rarely see in the in the upper weight classes. I mean, look at him slipping shots. Well, this is this is one of the reasons why, uh, you know, HBO started up the uh, HBO boxing after dark because the smaller weight classes weren't getting that recognition. Everybody was in love with the heavyweights, you know, but but, you know, the main complaint in the 80s and in the 90s from heavyweights was like one punch and then the fight was all over here. You saw volumes of punches and you saw guys, literally athletes being broken into bits and pieces slowly in front of your eyes. That, that's oh, what yeah. made flyweights and featherweights and bantamweights and lightweights so exciting because you're going to see guys throwing a, a, a large amount of variety of different punches, you know, from different angles. And, and that's truly what the science is. It's what makes the sport so exciting. Don't get me wrong. I love the heavyweights, but... There's two. There's literally three different types of flavors in boxing. Oh yeah, definitely. And and I've always been a big fan of the lower weight classes. And it was interesting because as the fight got into the tenth round, and you could really see um, it developing really into what was a war of attrition. It, you saw the tide turn in in Estrada's favor, and there were multiple occasions where I thought the referee was going to step in and stop the fight. Yeah, uh, but then Quadras would pull something out of nowhere and and fire back, <laughs> not just with one or two punches, but with actual combinations. So yeah, this was this was a brutal knockdown. You see it on his face too, how how much of a war he's in at this point, and um, that's the, all the, just pure adrenaline at the moment. Absolutely, that, that, that that moment, you know, because look, I mean, even his legs and his body, it's all just really. Uh, uh, um, you know, reacting to what's happening in there. But honestly, uh, think about it. Anybody else that was that would have been in front of him, of Estrada, Gallo, they would have been gone. You know, they, could have stopped it. They, yeah. they could have stopped it multiple times. And honestly, this is what you get often in Mexico with Mexican referees. They do let it go uh, a lot longer than than they do in, in many of the commissions in the, in the U.S. 
Ooh, what a knockout. Yeah. Well, you know why the refs let that happen in Mexico is because if they stop it too soon, in a, in a, in a heat of action, the audience will go nuts. I mean, bottles and stuff, chairs will be thrown in there. You know, so they're they're kind of um, groomed to understand that they got to allow these two warriors, especially countrymen. They're going out there to mix it up. You know, there's a lot on the line. There's a lot of pride on oh, the line. So don't 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 stop it on us. And there you go. Even after that, what really should have finished the fight, to be Which, honest. Yeah, his head first Quad, going into that canvas, right? Yeah, Quadras was still coming back. And, I mean, the body attack, the head attack, uh, it, it was just vicious stuff. And yeah. this specifically is what Chocolatito was not facing in his fight. Um, no. That Estrada had to, had to really battle through. And... You know, maybe that's going to be bad for Estrada coming coming into a big fight after a, a war like this. That's kind of an intriguing aspect of it, if you think about right. it. One guy went through a war of attrition. The other went a, a solid 12 rounds, but was never really in, in that much trouble. Oof, look at the left uppercut. And that's why I said, you know, Cuadros took a piece of Estrada, and that's why the rematch, in my opinion, evens out, you know. Oof, look at that. Uh, because yeah, you have to look at topic. you have to look at the fact that what you just said right now, Estrada was in a war, whereas Chocolatito really dictated that fight. He had control against the younger Gonzalez because the young Gonzalez had a good game plan to 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 try to beat the smarter Chocolatito, but Chocolatito showed that he was the stronger and more talented and just and just more of a suave fighter than than the young Gonzalez. So really interesting. Uh, 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 Rematch, you know, I mean, God, I want it to happen. It's going to happen, uh, whether it's live gate or not. I hope it doesn't prevent it. If there isn't a live gate, if the because uh, we all believe, I believe that the COVID thing is just going to roll over into 2020, and I don't see anything changing until mid next year. Uh, what's up, G? Fuck yeah, man, we made it back. Um, what's up, Joe Lopez? Yep, the, that card was just great. And like I said before, if you're just tuning in, the whole card. Uh, in my opinion, was a time machine back to the HBO boxing after dark. It was phenomenal. It was great. You know, I had to watch it at least three times. That's how good it was. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't know if you want to talk about um, Julio Cesar El Rey Martinez, but he has developed into a top, <laughs> top notch fighter, in my opinion. Um, I was aware of him before the the fight with Charlie Edwards but for me that fight really is what put me uh I think put him onto another level in terms of the fact that he went out to England uh took on a guy who at least the English people were favoring uh against him and he just made the guy quit and it literally took uh I was about to say uh Jose Suleiman but uh, <laughs> do you like that? Did you like the whole Mauricio Suleiman interviews? Yeah, in Suleiman. Oh my god, dude! I was like, yeah. take this dude's mic away, please. That was it. Yeah, Julio Cesar uh, Martinez, dude. Yeah. Uh, that was a great fight, and that, I mean, that's the fight that really just set the mood for the main events. You know, yeah, and, and uh, he dispatched of them in two rounds, I believe. And he, I mean, he's just look, look at. I mean, he's he's so poised in there. He's got total confidence in everything that he's doing. And look at that. Yeah. I mean, quick, sharp, straight punches. 
you know, and when he doesn't get you around the guard, he'll get you right through the guard. Yep, absolutely. You know, and, and, it, and if he can't work around your guard, he's he's digging into your body. He, I mean, he's he's developed into actually one of my favorite fighters in the sport right now. You know, really quick, I want to mention this. Um, I'm going to mention what Sal just said in the uh, chat room. Yeah. These apps are hurting exposure of boxing. If these fights were on HBO, it would have been everywhere. Imagine these, these fights on ESPN. You know what, D-Style? I said this in the um, in social media on Saturday night. And uh, our good friend, uh, 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 Ernesto Gabillon, who works for uh, for Everlast and, and Gold Boy, goes, what do you mean? I thought they did a great job promoting this fight. And, and what do you mean by mass? Because I had said to the masses. And I pointed out, I was like, dude, I don't think I, I – like, if we, if, if it wasn't brought up on the roundtable, I would have completely forgot about these fights that happened on the zone between Chocolatito and Estrada, like that, that doubleheader, you know? Because the fact that the zone dropped the ball with Canelo, everybody's main focus was, was the zone going to make a comeback? Was this the end of the zone? Of the zone? That was the headline on every boxing website, on everybody's mind. That was the headline. Think about this. The zone just all of a sudden started throwing up fights again. Did they promote it? Did you see it anywhere else? Besides, if you're a boxing fan or you look regularly, weekly on the boxing schedule, or if you listen to a boxing podcast, did you know about these fights? I didn't. No. Uh, you know, they're not being talked about. I mean, would you, would we expect them to talk about it on ESPN? Probably not. I mean, it's a competitor, right? Well, even 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 so, you know what I mean. Look, the zone can throw a couple of chains to ESPN. There's still a network that takes money from outside sources to, you know, to, you know, no, they, they got to get paid. You know, no, I'm not I'm not excusing them. I mean, they right. can buy advertising, you know. Uh, but yep. I, I I have zero idea what their strategy is right now. I mean, they've stepped up the boxing schedule, and we can kind of go into it later. I'll throw it up, but they're still miles away from what they told us they would be and am i excited about chisora versus Usyk? yeah i am uh am i excited about anthony joshua uh kubrat pula not really but i do like to see joshua so obviously i i want to find a way to watch that fight right and and, th- and there's the stoppage there um oof, uppercut that was a great performance hand. bro yeah. martinez yeah no he's definitely going to be a major player um Hey, let's move on, man. Let's go yeah. to let's talk about the fights that are going to be that we are going to be watching on Halloween. Which um, right. again, I was saying, hey, is anybody going to be out there trick or treating? And if so, I don't know about you. I'm probably not going to be getting off of my couch here on on Saturday night because I'm going to be stuck in front of the tellies here uh, watching every single fight. Um, yep. Let's go with the first one here, which is the Showtime pay-per-view, Santa Cruz versus Gervonta Davis. Now, let me ask you this. I'm yep. hearing that Gervonta Davis is still having trouble making that weight. Yeah, I remember uh, earlier on, and shout out to D-Style, uh, who was on our show when we were discussing this. And he was high on Santa Cruz. And at the time, I was a little bit skeptical about it. But... I've actually come around on this. Um, and the reason I've come around on it and seen it as a very close fight <clears throat> is because of Santa Cruz's output in terms of punches. 
And what I would say is Gervonta Davis's lack of output. I'm not I, quite saying. I'm picking has- Santa Cruz. I think Santa Cruz pulls it off. Um, I think the weight issue that that Gervonta Davis has shown, um, which, you know, may be lack of discipline or it's just that his body can't make it and his promoters telling him to stay at that lower division. I don't know, you know, but I tell you what, his performance against Gamboa showed me a guy that still likes to be conservative with his punches. Too now, conservative. Too conservative. Now, he's got the power, but it didn't show, like his power didn't appear against Gamboa, who was a one-legged fighter and a guy that doesn't fight on a regular basis. Santa Cruz is a more active guy. And also, I think that needs to be pointed Excuse me, needs to be pointed out. Santa Cruz is a much more intelligent guy than given credit. Much more intelligent. And his volume punching is what I think is going to be the deciding factor here. I've rewatched Tank Davis's recent fights. He just does not throw enough punches. And Gamboa let him get away with that. I do not right. think Santa Cruz is going to let him get away with that at all. And when he's, you know, waiting for the perfect shot, and not throwing punches, Santa Cruz is going to be all up in there digging to the body inside fighting, and that's not going to be very good for Javante Davis. As long as Santa Cruz can get inside, which I think he'll be able to, and go to work, uh, I think he's going to be very successful in this fight. So shout out to D Style has been very early on that. Um, you know, it took I don't me a even think while. he needs to, to even get in the inside, to tell you the truth. You know, Santa Cruz, uh, Leo Santa Cruz, I think that what Leo showed with his second game plan going in with the Carter Frampton fight was yeah. jabbing the outside. He showed that he has the intelligence. He's he's intelligent enough to know distance. He's intelligent enough to use his jab. He's intelligent enough to know when to move. Yeah, let the fatter guy come after you. Let the fatter guy waste that energy. You let the fatter guy get comfortable, do the little shoulder roll, and try to scoot in with his feet. Keep him on the edge of your punches with that jab. I think that's all Santa Cruz has got to do. And then occasionally open up to that body like you just mentioned right now. But really, I could see the kid winning this fight with just his feet and a jab. Yeah, I mean, if he does that, that would be very impressive. But I also can just as equally see him just out boxing um, from the from the mid to, to close range with volume punching. And you know what? Santa Cruz is actually one of the best defensive inside fighters. If it ever does get on the inside, he knows how to, you know, turn his body to the left, turn his body to the right, stay unsquared in front of his opponent, move right. his head just just enough to slip shots, and at the same time, work and work and work combination punching. I just worry, I worry about this, about if Santa Cruz decides to go in the inside and work that. Everything that you mentioned, you're absolutely right. He's really good defensively in the inside, but you're going to face a bigger guy, and the bigger guy is going to put his weight on you. You know, being a smaller guy and getting in there, testing the waters with this big guy, you know, can your legs afford that? You know, because once your legs go, which Santa Cruz is going to need his legs for this fight, you know, um, then that's going to make him vulnerable. That it's going to make Javante Davis have that those those pot shot moments, which could hurt Leo because he is the bigger guy. David, you can't take that away. Davis is a big puncher. Was Gamboa chin better that night, or was it really Davis's punching power just wasn't there? If I was at Santa Cruz uh, training camp in them, I would definitely not want to find out. Yeah, um, 
Actually, what I really think, David, is that Gamboa does not. Gamboa is not what? I'm sorry. You're on mute. Hey, Ron, uh, PBMC, uh, Leo is uh, going to outbox him at times, Tank. Tank has been in plastics all camp. See, that worries me there. You know what I mean? Because you're really sweating out so much. And, and, and if you're sweating out that much, that only tells me, man, that you're having – you're fo more focused on losing the weight, not focused on what game plan you're going to have. And with Leo Santa Cruz, like everything we've all mentioned, you know, uh, being the more valued player, being a guy that's able to jab, being a guy that can work the ring, which he, we've, he's proved and he's shown, uh, Devontae Davis is going to have a little – aware of he's got to have more and if right now all their focus is weight that tells me that they think that that's the only thing they got to worry about is their weight in this fight not a strategy to beat leo santa cruz g funk over here saying tank is sleeping in a sauna suit <laughs> tank is going to be slurring a bit He's hydrating, dehydrated. Um, yeah, I'm dehydrated, man. I've been drinking like water and 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 and, and Gatorade, zero Gatorades, like all day yesterday and today, man. Um, I got to slow back there on Saturday. I was having too much of a good time. Do we have a milk car back on? No, we don't. Does tank come at one thirty? I don't think so. I think that there we go. I can hear a milk car now. You can hear me now. I can hear you now. I don't um, know what the hell happened, but uh, sh one sec, Dave. I'm hoping yeah. we get a sponsorship from these people. Athletic Brewing. All right, I, uh, I gotta try that, bro. When when you want a low calorie beer or a beer mm -hmm. with no alcohol that tastes like it's actually good and will mm -hmm. fuck you up for the next day, that's my little endorsement right there. Really? At, at, yo, I found I found these beers. I've been. I've been chugging them w without any shame because I know that I'm not going to be putting on uh, the weight, you know? <laughs> I know. I put on a bunch of COVID weight here, but I'm Absolutely. proud of it. I'm proud of it. Nato says, does Tank come at 1.30? I don't think so, Nato. I think that I think that um, they're going to miss weight, and I wonder if Leo Santa Cruz's uh, team are going to stay true to the word, which is say they're not going to fight if it's not at that the weight they had agreed on in the contract. That's a bit interesting. So that might be the reason why oh. uh, we're seeing uh, Tank Davis there in all those plastic suits because they're a bit worried. He may not make weight. Fam, that's another reason I want I want him on the inside going to that body. Uh, Tank, Tank has always had a problem making weight. Uh, he was struggling to make weight at 135 pounds. But, now he's coming down to, to 130. But not do it immediately. What I think that 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 Santa Cruz should do to a guy that can't, that's struggling to make weight is that see Davis's whole whole game would be I'm going to feel a bit strong in the in the first couple of rounds, and that's where he's going to you know be the best. Okay, what I would do with Leo, I would tell Leo drag him out a little bit, make him work for a punch. Make him kind of chase you around. Make him do things that he wouldn't do so that he can start gasping for air. And once you see him start gasping for air, then slowly start jabbing in that midsection. You know, 
push out that air, get flatten up those tires a bit before you decide you to go in the inside. Why go in the inside immediately with a, with a guy that possibly has maybe two rounds in him to get you out of there? That's a no-no for me. Yeah, um, I, I I agree. He's got to box smart. He can't just go in there guns blazing and open himself up to what Javante <laughs> Davis seems to only want to do these days, which is land the perfect uh, one-punch KO shot. Absolutely, man. What's your pick here really quick? Anybody in the chat room, let me know. What's your guys' pick? Uh, Amilcar, who are you picking for Saturday night Showtime pay-per-view? I'm picking Santa Cruz by decision. Santa Cruz by decision. Yeah. Woo, man, I'm going to go Santa Cruz by decision. And I think that the championship rounds, I think he steps it up. And I think he gives a, a good pepper to Davis. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Santa Cruz by decision. Yeah, I, I think that's a unanimous decision, too. I don't think there's not going to be a split. Well, I don't know. I mean, these goddamn judges and all, they can never know. But I think what we're going to I'm going to go off of my scorecard. I'm definitely going to go off of your scorecard and like G-Funks and D-Style, Joe Habib. Yeah. Um, everybody that's part of the Lever Ring family. I'm going to go off their scorecard. And but I, I would have to say across the board, I think that Leo Santa Cruz uh, is going to probably have uh, one of his best nights against Tank Davis. I don't know. I, it's not yeah. like I haven't eaten crow before, so might as well just go with that one there. No, I, I, I I'm, I'm with you on this pick as well. Um, the, the more and more I thought about it, and the more and more I looked at at his recent performances, the less and less confidence I had in in Javante uh, Davis's chances here. And you know what? Let's be real. Just as Teofimo was calling out Lomachenko and chasing that fight, mm -hmm. Santa Cruz has been talking about Javante Davis for a, a while now. So he must see something. Um, maybe he sees what we see. Maybe he sees something more that leads him to have total confidence in his ability to beat Davis. Because this is one name he's been calling out for a while. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, you know, there, in my opinion, there's never a hundred percent, but um, I'm pretty confident about what Leo can do in there. I think that he, I, I just see that going that route. But then again, you know, Davis does have that punchy power. He has that ability to turn it around with one big shot. We've seen that, but again, can he muster that? Couldn't he muster that up with losing all that that water? You know, it's a lot of water weight. He's in a suit. That draws you out. You're in the sauna. It draws you out. It makes your body. It, it, it actually makes you more relaxed, you know. And again, if that's all you're concentrating, how many hours of the day are you trying to piss out your weight, and you're not really putting the craft where it really counts in that ring? So, David, when loses, you were, yeah, when you were talking, when you were talking about the hundred percent, I'm guessing you were referencing this, right? The what? The, the fact that I uh, these stouts at one hundred and one percent. I thought I thought you I thought you guys might be able to hear that, but I guess you can. I went back. I went. I went back to my crow sound effects. The crow sound. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm guessing they didn't. They didn't work through my mix. That's not a crow. Right? Yeah, yeah. Crow? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not good in. Uh, I can only impersonate like Manny Pacquiao, uh, Manny Pacquiao, uh, eight-time, four-time world champion. That's a very good impression. I, I thought so. 
They didn't think so when I went down over there one time. Oh know? no! <laughs> I, I used to do. I used to do Harold Letterman, who I disagreed with a lot. Hello, Jim. <laughs> That's pretty Back good, dude. Jim. Yeah. Oh God! You know what you need to do? I need to get a hold of uh, Julie Letterman. Have you call her to chew her out about her scorecard? You know, get in her head in there and tell her. You know, hey. <laughs> I don't know what 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 was going on there. So yeah, um, there you go. Are, are there any other fights? Uh... Well, we have to go. Continue on. Let's go to the zone on Friday night before Halloween. Before all you kiddos out there dress up. I don't know what you guys are going to dress up. Um, I'm just going to, I'm actually going to just wear my regular costume, which is this Chicano costume that I wear all the time here on Saturday. But on Friday, uh, I'm looking forward to the Morgia fight on the zone. I don't know about you. He's fighting Johnson. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's tough for me to, to, to say necessarily that I, I'm looking forward to it per se. Uh, what I'm looking forward to see is uh, a high train real or does it get stopped? Well, I just don't know what Torian Toriano Johnson has at this right. at this uh, at this stage of his career. Um and Mungia, I think, has already has already shown that he's not really gonna be at the at the top uh championship level at, at 160. I I think he mostly moved up because he couldn't make 154 anymore. And there there honestly isn't a top fighter, at least one of the champions, I would say, at 160 that I think he has a legitimate shot at beating. I I would pick Boo Boo against him, Andrade, obviously. I would pick, um, obviously, uh, Jermall Charlo against him. I would pick, obviously, Canelo against him. and, I may, I may uh, pick. I may pick, though. I mean, if I may say this, I think Johnson's by far what I would have to say is his best opponent opponent yet for Jaime Morgia. And Johnson, I have to agree with Nato saying, you know, this could be Johnson's last stand, and it could end up being a war. That's what I'm curious about because Morgia was having issues making 154, moving up. Does he does he does he get back what he once had? Can he muster up the power that we once thought he had? You know, what does it do to him to bring on those six pounds that he doesn't have to shed now? You know, does it get him stronger? Does it make him strong? Do we do we see a refresh Murgia? Or do we just see the same kid who doesn't have a lot of punching power that needs a smaller guy in front of him to create a lot of damage, to create a lot of hype around him? Or does Johnson go out there and answer all the questions we have about him? in that single fight on Friday. Friday. Well, that's, I don't know. That, that's, that's exactly what it is, David. I mean, right. he won his world title against a very small 154-pounder. Ali. Beat, yep, uh, Saddam Ali, who got his title by defeating a overaged, very small 140-pounder. And, you know, Miguel Cotto, who started his career at 140. Um and he beat him with size and strength, mostly. Uh, right. Saddamily. Then he took on Liam Smith. Okay, I wouldn't really say that that was a you know greatest opponent in the world. Right after that, it was Brandon Cook, or even lower. It almost like he goes backwards. Uh, then we had a right. Takeshi Inoue. All right, that one was actually unanimous decision. Um, that was actually uh, kind of 
and it was against a guy with 13 fights at the time. Then right. Dennis, then there was Dennis Hogan, Hogan in Monterey, and that was the fight I actually thought he lost. Lost the fight, right? A lot right. of folks thought he lost that fight. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if a, a majority decision in Monterey, Mexico, is a is pretty much a a a, a win, and. I personally thought that the, uh, I think he's Irish or Australian, won that fight. Then there was the Patrick uh, Alotti fight. Okay, he got the KO, but, I mean, were, was anyone really impressed with that opponent? And then there's Gary O'Sullivan. Uh, I mean, what do I really need to, do I really need to speak about him that much? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I got two I got two words for you when it comes to Gary O'Sullivan. And the first is David and the second is Lemieux. Um <laughs> well, he got Lemieux in that fight. Right. And and now and now he's moved up to a new weight class at 160. And uh, I guess we'll see how he does, right? Let me see here on the chat room really quick. Uh, let me jump in there. I'm 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 slow on the chat tonight. Run run. I, I like what Run put out here. Run PMC. Uh, who should Jaime fight after this if he was to win against Johnson? Right? Uh, who is who is who is there at one sixty for him um, at DAZN? Well, I mean, you, there's a lot of guys there there at one sixty for DAZN. But well, the question is, yeah. But the question is, does the I think what what really needs to happen is Friday night needs to happen first, right? That Golden Boys team need promotion need to see how good he looks, um, how good he performs, and then they go from there. Because, in my opinion, what Golden Boy and Golden Boys matchmaker matchmakers trying to do is match him correctly because they feel that he needs time, as like they did with Canelo. They gave Canelo time to to grow, and Jaime Morgia is like they're giving him time to grow. But problem though is that when they got rid of Robert Alvazar. I think that's where he started declining. I, I saw a lot of, of what agree. Robert was doing with him started going backwards. And that's when the backwards that you were talking about, we started seeing. So yeah. I go back again. If he does blow out Johnson, which I don't see that happening. But then again, like I said, we don't know how much of the of shedding six pounds has done to his body, what has done to his power. Does he go out there and he looks like a rejuvenated uh, Jaime Morgia? It looks like the bazooka we saw at one time. Uh, and if he is, that's that I'm pretty sure Golden Boy knows where to direct him. But if he isn't, what yeah. is Golden Boy going to do with him? Well, that that's that's the big question. And just a reminder, everyone, uh, you can text us uh, if you want to join us. All right. So the number is 917-426-8296. All right. Uh, text us to join us. 917-426-8296. We'll send you a link and you can come join us either with audio or with video. If you're old enough to, to show us your face. Anyway, so back to what you were saying. Where do they go? Uh, I don't really see them. Maybe they'll use, his, use him as an opponent for Saul Alvarez if, if Canelo wants to come back down to 160. there There's uh, Demetrius Andrade. I don't really see that as being a lucrative fight, even though he's the number one contender in the WBO because he was the WBO one. 54 champion um if there's anyone there at 160 that he should take on i think it's gennady golovkin um just because golovkin's older now um I, he barely scraped away with a victory 
uh, against um, fuck, help me out, Dave. I can't remember his name right now. Survey the Demerinchenko. Thank you so yes. much. Mm-hmm. Um, barely scraped away with a victory there, and yeah, I mean maybe a. a a high-volume pressure attack will be just what's needed against a guy like Canelo if he can – sorry, against uh, Golovkin if he can kind of go through Golovkin's, you know, vaunted power punches. Um, I think that might be the best fight for him at 160. I don't see anything else really making sense because if he could if get Golovkin beat- would want to fight him, though. You know what I mean? If there's no title on the line, how much money is really in, – in, would be invested in that fight – I, th- I got to agree with Run over here saying David Lemieux maybe, but David Lemieux's at 168 now. That's the thing. He's moved That's up. That's the problem. Yeah. You know, so David Lemieux would be the, the ideal opponent next. Uh, though I would pick David Lemieux over Jaime Murguia at I mean, this time. You know? I, I, yeah, I, but here's the thing, David. You look, at, you look at the IBF rankings, right? And you look at Gennady, who's got the IBF title. Gennady's got two options. He can either do a mandatory defense mm-hmm. against a bunch of names that no one's ever heard of, right? Or he can defend his title against in an, in an optional defense against Munguia, who's also ranked by the IBF, by the way. Because guess what? Camille says Remeta, Patrick Wojcicki, uh, Esquiva, Falcao, uh, Patrice Volney. I mean, these are not names that are really going to, right. you know, excite people or, or get them to subscribe to the zone and if canelo's just waiting around for saul alvarez to fight him uh, canelo's already shown that he has no problems uh denying a fight to 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 triple g i mean that was i just a, don't see i just don't see a Jaime Morgia going after a Gennady golovkin at 160 and i'll tell you why because mm-hmm. the 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 golovkin fight was offered to Jaime Morgia when um, Canelo uh, was uh, uh, suspended for under for, you know to be under investigation in the hair sample uh, situation, yeah, but he wanted um, it. No, actually, his team didn't want it. Remember, Sean Gibbons really? and them turned it down. Yeah, they turned it down. I thought it was the thought, commission. I thought it was the well, commission that said it, it was, was the, like an unfair fight. It was the commission, but also when we had Sean Gibbons on the show, which helps manage Jaime Morgia at that time, they said they did not want that fight. Because okay. the kid still, this kid was still learning, and there's still much, much more to build on him, you know. So that's my only thought is that that I don't see that happening because Golden Boy knows potentially, um, potentially that they could make they could generate money off of this kid. He's a big kid. Uh, somebody mentioned in there he's got uh, charisma. Uh, you know, he is a volume puncher. You know. Um, he takes a lot of shots. He is an exciting guy. You know what I mean? But you have to match him correctly. Pig Iron put out a, a, a perfect name out there, which I think is going to be realistic. And that's, he says, uh, we're going to end up seeing, seeing uh, Jaime Morgia against Steve Rose. I think that's more, really. <laughs> honestly, I just, that, I, I believe that. I can see that happening here. I'm that, real is, that, is, that is funny. Who said that? Pig Iron. Oh, big on you! Big up to you. That was a that was a joke of the day, right there. It's it is a joke of the day, but at the same time, it's a realistic one. You know what I mean? I mean, I I can't argue with that, man. <laughs> I guess I can't argue with it either. Yeah, Joe Lopez, uh, not impressed with Jaime Morgia. Nopal, the WBC steps in and stops it. Um, 
not old yet. Uh, yeah. There we go. Jaime Morgia. So let's go again, man. Um, give me your pick here. What do you think? Uh, what's going to happen on Friday on the zone between the young Jaime uh, Morgia, who is trained by Eric Morales, the uh, the great Taribe Eric Morales, uh, against Johnson, who I think everybody's in agreement that is uh, it's almost uh, he's got to fight for his career here. Yeah, I, I think Johnson is a handpicked opponent. Um, that's just what is needed for Munguia to stay busy. He's got a name. He's chinny. Uh, he's an aggressive fighter. And, you know, he's going he's gonna to create an interesting, uh, exciting fight. And um, at some point, I see Munguia essentially knocking him out, um, likely a TKO in the later rounds. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Nopal Morgia needs the Eric Morales footwork. Man, if it, that's something he would have to have started really early in his career. I don't see that happening now because what he's been doing has been working. And uh, he just, I don't know, he just doesn't have that grace, unfortunately. You know what I mean? I mean, that takes years and years and years of developing and learning and getting comfortable to have like certain type of footwork, you know, you just can't learn that within six months to a year, you know, because what happens is your memory will go back to how you feel comfortable when you get in trouble. And Jaime Morgia, as you can see right here, he does like to square up. He does like to throw white shots. Um, yeah. He does like to get in there and mix it up. I mean, he is a whirlwind, you know, um, but I'm curious to see him get in there with somebody with size and somebody with a jab, somebody that can push him back. That that's where that's where I'm at and stuff. And I think Golden Boy is very aware of that, and that's why they're moving him up really slow. Not a big rush on that kid. I just don't see that happening, even at 160. Yeah, I mean he's probably more well suited for 160 in terms of making weight. Ooh, that was a nice shot. But I also think that uh, the big dogs at 160 are a little bit too much for him right now. <clears throat> well, he could definitely go after Andrade. Andrade's got a fight coming up. And, you know, I mean, there's a fight there than Andrade. Demetrius Andrade's not going to stay in there and try to mix it up with the kid. He's going to try to box him. Um, and that could always be the fair thing is that they could say if he loses to Andrade, which I think so, that's going to be, you know, the no-brainer there. He would lose to a Demetrius Andrade. Or I would push, like what a lot of guys are saying here in the chat room, uh, Pig Iron makes a great point as well. You know, if he be, if Morgia beats Johnson and then he gets like a Steve Rose and beats him in a in more better fashion than Triple G, then it makes up a great story for Morgia to get in with Gennady Golovkin. I think so too, because the interest there for Jaime Morgia is that Golden Boy's got to capture the imagination of the fight fans. They had it at one time, and the luster just kind of fell apart. They have to kind of build them right back up. So putting in the right guys where he knocks them out, and, and he knocks them out in great fashion, to me, it puts it on a great line for those two guys to mix it up. Get Eddie Golovkin. I mean, where else are you going to go? Your time is running out, out of that hourglass and stuff. You know what I mean? So he's got to think of something up, something quick to keep them in, both guys in the name in, in in the out there in the names for Canelo for the Canelo sweepstake. In my opinion, No Paul Boxeano says a good point. He says he he's got ten years to catch up to Charlo and um, <laughs> and and, and uh, shout out shout out to Nando who who's. You know, referred to GGG as a chicken hawk, which I think is an appropriate, <laughs> uh, an, oh, yeah. an appropriate, a uh, comparison. 
Well, let's so, go yeah. into still on the zone, which on Saturday, happy Halloween. You got Usyk, Alexander Usyk, finally getting in there with Chisor. Usyk has been out. We've been waiting for him. First, it was this, you know, uh, you know, first it was an injury, then the COVID hit, things were falling apart, and didn't look like we were ever going to get to see him this year in 2020. Uh, Usyk, the great Usyk, the guy that unified the cruiserweight division, the guy that's actually been labeled right now as the greatest heavyweight to ever lace gloves here at Mill Car. We're going to get to witness that against a very, very durable the greatest weight say? heavyweight. <laughs> oh, the great, the greatest heavyweight. Okay, yeah, the uh, greatest heavyweight has never been, hasn't been a a, a really uh, good heavyweight. I mean, yeah. I mean, it remain it remains to be seen if he's even going to be the best cruiserweight to have moved up to a hundred to right. the heavyweight division. I mean, right now you've got to put Evander Holyfield at number one, and I don't know. It's I I'd, I'd say probably David Hay or James Tony number two. What what do you think? <clears throat> that move from cruiserweight up to heavyweight. You got Alexander yeah. Holyfield, uh, yep. James Tony. I think I can mention. Yep. Um, David Hay. I don't know. I think David Hay is still very questionable. Um, I would have to like pull up his career. Um, I wouldn't have even thought about David Hay to tell you the truth unless you had brought him up. Uh, well, there are, I, there aren't that many guys. David well, Thomas Hay, Thomas Adamick. Thomas Adamick, I think is I think I would put Thomas Adamick above David Hay to tell you the truth. But he didn't win um, a title at heavyweight, though. I thought he did. No, nah, he, he did win a title. He got destroyed by Klitschko, man. Hmm. Yeah, oh, I, I mean he he's, he's, a title. he's a good. He I think he won titles. I know he won titles at one seventy five. I think and maybe at mm-hmm. cruiserweight, but I don't think he won at heavyweight. I, I could be wrong. But right. I'm 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 pretty sure that he did it. Um, I'm, I'm look I'm I'm an Usyk fan. I love his his IQ mm-hmm. in boxing. Um, I just I I just find it hilarious when I hear his fans already labeling him like the greatest heavyweight, or not even just his fans, but you got like like certain boxing media, even networks already putting him up there before he's done anything. I get what he's did. In the lower divisions, I get that the fact that he is a phenomenal look at, but I don't get how he's created something that he hasn't even been at for very long yet, which is the heavyweight yeah. division. Yeah, I think a lot of the lore is the result of him obviously being undisputed at um, undisputed at, at two hundred at cruiserweight and moving right. up. But I mean, he has yet to do anything at all in the heavyweight division. And I mean, he does have size. Um, I think the advantage that he has over a lot of heavyweights is the IQ, the hand speed, the footwork. Um, mm-hmm. That that you know he's going to present a lot of problems to Shazor. Uh, but Shizora is a war horse. He's a, a war horse, to tell you the truth. You know, this, this is a good fight. This is a good one to put. You know, to to set the bar on what really. How much of a threat Usyk really is? Is this going to be a one-sided fight for him? You know, a one one brilliant display over Chizora showing that Chizora has probably has seen his better days past, or is this going to be what we saw with Witherspoon, which was a Usyk that came in after a surgery in his on his hand, um, and literally uh, it took him a while, which it's kind of his mo. He does take five rounds to kind of warm up and pick it up, you know, could he afford that against Cesaro? I don't think he can, 
you know. But again, is it going to be a Usyk brilliant display of boxing, or are we going to see an ordinary Usyk at a heavyweight division against a warhorse like Chisora? It's funny because we just I put up some highlights here, and we can see Usyk just going to town on Tony Bello. Uh, Tony Bello recently, I was listening to him kind of discuss the fight and was saying that Usyk does that punching power. And I'm like, bro, you got knocked the hell out by Alexander Usyk. <laughs> I mean, you're not, do you not understand what you're saying? Do you not understand what you're saying right now? I mean, you're out cold, like head through the bottom ropes. Anyways, uh, Chizora has – I have never seen Chizora in a bad fight. I was going to – yeah. I mean, he is always exciting, and I feel bad for him because of what happened to him in the Dillian White rematch where he was winning, and I feel that even on the scorecards at the time of the knockout, he was winning, at least on two scorecards, I believe. And, you know, he had those, those points taken away from him, which I thought were ridiculous point deductions uh, taken by the referee. And he ended up opening him up. He ended up opening up. Obviously, he thought he was probably a, a bo- behind on the scorecards at that point because of the point deductions. And then, kind of, just got sparked by a by by a counter left hook by Dillian White, and that was kind of the end of it. But I mean, their first fight was an all out war, uh, and every fight he's in, he he brings it. So. I know it's going to be a good fight, and I think it's a very good test for. Um, I think it's a very good test for Usyk at this stage, because if right, if he's going to be anything in the heavyweight division, he's got to be able to dispatch Chizora, which is something that David Hay actually did. Now that I bring him up again, uh, in that in that fight he had at uh, the West the old West Ham football stadium, where he kind of knocked. We lost the milk car again here on the show. Um, I don't know what happened. Um, just leave it out. There you go. I can hear him now. Let me see. Say something there, milk car. No, can't hear you again. I don't know what happened there. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. All right. Um, I know what the problem is. I got to change my mic cable after the show. Um, you yeah. know, here's, here's the thing with Cesaro. And I think this is what raises more questions about Cesaro is that if you look at his resume, he's fought the who's and the what's in the heavyweight division. There's no way you cannot say this guy doesn't belong in the heavyweight division, okay? But you look at the the body of work he's done, it's a lot of work. So it's a lot of miles on those those wheels, okay? Uh, But it doesn't take Shizora out of this fight because Usyk, does he have the power to keep a very bulky man off of him? Because in my opinion, Usyk, all he needs to do is trap him at those ropes and then he can do some work there you know can Usyk keep him off of him can Usyk take the punch that Chizora has there's a lot of lot of ifs around Usyk in my opinion because of the Witherspoon fight but I still think that Usyk's style and IQ it's going to get him out of a lot of trouble but how healthy is Usyk going into the Chizora fight here and how much of the COVID did it really take a toll on Usyk because the fact is he hasn't fought they were supposed to fight in May this is now happening in October on Halloween. So it could be a door, door dash for Usyk in this fight, or this could be a trick-or-treat for Cesaro. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Spielka knockout was insane. And 
you know, I, I hope if for Usyk's sake, I'm, I don't necessarily I'm going for any of these two fighters. I actually kind of like both of them a lot. Um, but if you're Usyk, I, he should not put himself on the ropes. No, uh, because if if he does that, War Tesoro is gonna gonna go to gonna go all war on on his head and on his body. I think Usyk needs to do what he does, which is move. All right, uses very good jab and um, throw in his combination punchings when it's appropriate. Um, but I I do not anticipate that he's gonna try to brawl Derek Tesoro. I don't see that. Uh, Going, going his way if he does that. One other thing I'm going to say about Derek Chisora, I mean, fam, this guy's like one of the most entertaining interviews in, in boxing. Oh, um, yeah, yes. <laughs> anytime he speaks, it, it's pretty much uh, entertainment gold. Yeah, most definitely. You know, um, this has been a very anticipated fight just because that you got a character and a puncher in the heavyweight division, Shizura, and then Usyk is coming out, coming from royalty and a lot of folks' eyes. Um, you know, uh, a lot of folks believe he's more hype in the heavyweight division, but then there's a lot of folks that don't because of what he's done in the cruiserweight division, which you cannot erase. You can't take that away from him. You know, um, I see a lot of boxing IQ, but, you know, uh, what we saw with the Witherspoon Left a left left a lot of folks believing that maybe this is not the division that you're gonna be so you know in so much glory at. But anyways, uh, what's your pick, man? What do you got? Who do you got for this fight? I got uh, oh yeah. Before I hit that, War Tesoro, the Ricardo Mayorga of the heavyweights. Yeah, I gotta agree with that. Great comment, Nando. Um, I I've got Usyk. Um, as long as he does what he does, which is box. I mean, he's a very good boxer. I had a discussion er- earlier with, with Kenny, funny enough, over the weekend where he was asking me about uh, if I thought Usyk would be competitive against either the two champions. And I said to him that I don't really see him being as successful against Tyson Furies. I see him being successful mm-hmm. against um, uh, Anthony Joshua. Reason being, I think he's more skillful than Andy Ruiz. Um, I mean, what Andy Ruiz essentially has on him is like, what, maybe 60, 70 pounds of weight. And I wouldn't really see that as good weight. So I think he'd be able to move around the ring very well. I think he's got a definitely respectable punching power, despite what Tony Bellew says, despite being knocked out cold by by Usyk. so I, I see him being successful here, boxing, getting the decision, and then doing what he wants to do next, which is to to demand a, a fight with uh, his his the, the champion he's a mandatory to face, which is Anthony Joshua, who I actually think he can defeat. G Funk says 100% Usyk is who he's getting. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no more 100%. <laughs> Nado, thanks. Usyk by late TKO. Um, TKO. Uh, Tizor runs out of gas more than anything. I have to agree with that. Jesus, yeah. what's up? How you doing, bro? Welcome to the chat room. Um, I'm going to tell you guys something actually pretty quick, Dave, about mm-hmm. the 100% thing. I came yeah. very close on Saturday night to texting the panel group and saying mm-hmm. that uh, D-Style had convinced me and that I was no longer 100%, that I was now 99.99% certain. So, um, 
But yeah, I'm I'm not ever gonna make a a, a claim like that. <laughs> that was my. You had, my, a, uh, you, you had a Kenny moment, man. Let's just you know. Let's yeah, just move look, it was my it was my it was my one attempt at a Skip Bayless style hot take, and it will be my last. Okay, so the lawyer. I think Uso yeah. rises to the occasion. A sleeper could sleep him. And I think Tesoro is a sleeper. I see Tesoro having a good moment. I've seen Tesoro having good moments in, late in the fight. I do too. I I, my, you know, I wonder if Tesoro, which I have to believe that that Usyk at one, one moment in the fight during one of the rounds, he's either going to back himself up to the ropes or he's going to mm-hmm. stand there long enough so that, that Tesoro can clip him. That's that could change the whole momentum of this fight, but I think that Usyk still has the ability to recover. Um, he doesn't seem like a fighter that takes things lightly. He's a very well conditioned and very. Uh, you could see that he's very professional about his craft. Um, overall, I just see Usyk winning this fight. It could be a tough fight, whatever. Chizor can can just dig up and, and from the belly and, and produce, I think that can give Usyk a lot of problems. And I think it's going to still lead people in believing whether or not Usyk is the real deal in the heavyweight division. I agree with you. I think uh, Tyson Fury is all bad for him. Um, I even think, I know you don't think and, uh, Andy Ruiz, but I think Andy Ruiz, a, a trained Andy Ruiz, a motivated, motivated Andy Ruiz, could spell bad for Usyk as well because of the hand speed. I agree. And the punches put together. Even even, uh, uh, Parker, very difficult fight for Usyk. You know, Parker's a very technically sound guy. You know, Um, there's a lot of good fights for Usyk in the heavyweight divisions, but we got to get past Shizoro. So I'm going to go with uh, 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 a mandatory decision for Usyk beating Shizoro. Um, Unanimous decision, Dave? Mandatory. Okay. Um, so what I would say is that that uh, Chisora does have kind of in his favor on this one is that he does have some good experience against uh, Southpaw fighters. Um, I mean, yeah. the most recent one was uh, Spielka, who he destroyed. Uh, so th- he, he does have experience fighting Southpaws. I think that might play in, in his advantage. But if Usyk stays off the ropes and is mobile. And it is, you're right. I mean, the COVID break is going to be a true test of his. For both guys. But I think yeah, for both for, guys of, of his fitness. Right. right. But I think I think more for me, in my opinion, I think Usyk is the one that it may affect more because Shizora has been a heavyweight. Yeah. So he now, knows I'm what I, being a heavyweight. Yeah. What uh, I really would, quick. Just really quick. Jesus. Yeah, man. This is Dave Doyle from uh, North uh, North. Uh, NorCal, brother. Mm-hmm. Cool. What are you say that? So, no, I was just going to say in terms of uh, Usyk versus Andy Ruiz, I mean, at this point, look, we know Andy Ruiz is a very skilled fighter, but to, if we're going to say if, if he's motivated to do something, he'll do well. I mean, if you can't get motivated to defend <laughs> three heavyweight titles – uh, in a rematch of a guy that you already beat, I don't know what the fuck is going to motivate you. I don't know either, you know. And honestly, yeah. have we heard anything? I mean, the last thing that we were hearing was the possibility of Andy Ruiz uh, fighting uh, Kristen Oriella. and it's that's just as I, I kind of just fizzled out. I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, look, now to pull it out there, WBO 
better not just hand Usyk the bout. Too many excellent contenders. You know the WBO is going to do They've that. They've already done that. They've yeah. already done it. He's the mandatory because he was their champ at the lower weight division and he's moved yep. up. So that's done. What they're talking about now is maybe some step-aside money to allow for a Joshua uh, Fury fight. Um, I think personally the reason he would not want step-aside money is because he legit feels that he can beat Anthony Joshua and he'd rather go in to a fight against Fury holding a title than, um, you know, uh, facing off against Fury's undisputed, undisputed champ uh, with nothing. That's that's my um, that's my take on it. I, I I think he definitely sees something in Joshua that he can exploit. So he's definitely going to be pushing the, for that fight. Uh, Nada puts, has anyone actually seen Ruiz training with the Renosos? Uh, I haven't seen it. But you know what, though? I'm the wrong guy to ask because I don't watch uh, guys in their training camp, like when they put up videos, uh, because a lot of times they're going to put up, like, their best moments. I actually like going to the gym to see what they're doing, you know. Um, and that could even be a bit deceiving as well. You know what I mean? Um, I remember going to Antonio Magarito when he was getting ready for Shane Mosley. He looked phenomenal. You know, but they were getting a lot of newbies in there to face for him to face so he could beat down. And it, you know, more was more like a confident level because of what everything that was going into that fight with with himself, his back and all this other stuff that was happening with him. So that could be really deceiving and stuff. So that's why I really don't even pay attention to that, man. Um I mean Andy Ruiz, Andy Ruiz goes goes through trainers almost as much as he goes through food. I mean, he he was with Abel Sanchez. Obviously, um, that then you know he ditches the trainer that took him to the world title, which I thought was pretty, you know, right. pretty. I mean, that that yeah. loss in Saudi Arabia had nothing to do with Manny Robles, and then no. uh, now he's no, I guess going all. to rain. Now he's, I mean, he's been he's making Reynoso to uh, sorry, not Reynoso, he's making Robles, I guess, a scapegoat and going to to Reynoso. Um, I don't, I don't. Well, Andy, I mean, Andy's Andy's history. He's been there. Look, I, I don't know. There's what over like twelve hundred LA boxing gyms, and Andy's been to every one of them. Yeah, you know. And, and the uh, funny thing is, I like Andy Ruiz. Oh, I love Andy. He's, love he's, Andy. A, he's a nice guy. It's just that absolutely you want guys like this to to maximize their talent, man. You know, he's he. Uh... How many people would would die literally for for three heavyweight titles and to just throw it away like that? I don't know. You know, um, you know, not even not even Big Daddy Bo. You know, screwed it up that bad. Well, yeah, he threw anyway, away one. He threw away one. <laughs> I mean, and he's our Buster Douglas for Latinos. Yeah, you know. Put a restraining order in all taco trucks within two miles of Andy Ruiz, said G-Funk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got fat jokes, huh? G-Funk got fat jokes? Okay. See, I'm, I'm only I'm thinking about food because I'm starving. Uh, now, bro, he's another Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Who Andy Ruiz, I wouldn't go that far. Let's not go that far. That's like over the – that's really jumping off the cliff, you know? <laughs> well, I mean – <laughs> Julio Cesar Chavez had trouble making weight. Um, yeah, they've got that in common. But 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 Julio comes out every time he steps out. He quits before even stepping in the ring. You know how embarrassing is that? His poor dad. 
I feel bad yeah, for your dad. Anyways, let's move on, man. Let's take let's keep going. Okay. Let's talk get some more boxing here. Yeah. On uh on uh on ESPN. Is there any more fights on the zone? Am I missing one on the zone? Uh, I'm pretty sure you caught up with most of the zone fights. I mean, there's the one the show on time. there's a October 30 30th. All right, Showtime. We've discussed October 31st, and then obviously October 31st, we also had the Usyk Chizora fight, which we discussed. And the last fight that we haven't discussed is uh, Inoue versus Jason Maloney. Maloney. Oh, now that's the fight that I'm waiting for. That's the fight I wanted to talk about here. Um, hey, I'll tell you what. Here's the thing that I like about what Maloney is is going to be able to do to Inoue, the monster from Japan. Um, a lot of hype on, on Inoue. Um you know, his punching power when he came out, burst out in the scene. I mean, this guy moved up in weight and he was pulling guys out. All of a sudden, he had a stop with no needle Dornier. Is yeah. Maloney is smart enough like Dornier? Because Dornier is a crafty guy. Remember, here's one guy that he was in the pound for pound, you know, uh, list. A lot of folks had, were very hyped on no needle before he got humbled by uh, uh, Rigendow, Guillermo Rigendow, right? What yeah. I what I saw and what I found about Maloney is that I mean I'm sorry about Inouye is that he is acceptable to a right hand. He's yeah. also he's also not the quickest guy to get away from punches where you are in the inside with him, as we saw with No Needle Dornier. But the thing that that I what I like about Inouye, which Maloney may have problem with, is that even if you're on the inside. Anyway, kind of waits for you to do a pull, like get out of your your work. You know what I mean? Like he knows you're not going to wait for your receipt, so he quickly just responds to that. And he was catching Nonito with beautiful left hooks. He was also catching him with right hands. You know, the thing was is that Nonito's jaw was just on point. Maloney's jaw's got to be on point. And Maloney also got to understand that he can't make those mistakes that Nonito was doing, which was pulling back. He's got to do his best work in the inside, then he's got to step around him. Or he's got to tie him up a little bit and walk him back to those ropes. He can't allow the puncher to have that little bit of room, those little bit of inches to get in those short punches. Because that's what Inouye relies on. That's where he's quick at. Blinding speed right there is when he's right there in that pocket and he's able to throw a counter shot and he catches you, clips you, and hurts you. This is a very interesting style. I like the fact that Maloney goes in the body. I also like the fact that Maloney's willing to go in the inside because Inouye will allow him to do that. Inouye's not a guy that's going to move around. He's not like Manny Pacquiao, who uses a lot of footwork in and out. He darts in and out. No, he likes it when you come to him. He actually likes it when you're comfortable, when you're right in range, either you're like a three uh, inches away from him or your arm length. He likes that. Okay, so that's where Maloney's got to become creative. He's got to start creating different openings for himself. Also, different openings where he's going to make any way miss. What do you think of Milkar? Yeah, um, I definitely agree uh, with your take about what Maloney needs to do. You know, obviously Maloney hasn't taken on anyone as yet who's of the level of of Naoya Inoue, who I think is one of the best um, – most dominant fighters in his in his well he's the most dominant fighter in his division and is one of the most dominant fighters in the sport maloney's you know the fight i saw which we showed highlights of a moment ago was a leonardo barris 
uh, bias fight, the the Mexican. Yes, the bias. Yes, yes. And um, that that you know he showed his skills and he did everything you said he he could. He showed good range from the outside, could box on the inside. Uh, Australians usually are known for kind of being tough, but also you know u- utilizing um, uh, tactics in in their boxing IQ. Uh, you know, it's Kostya Zhu, obviously, being the best uh, Australian fighter, although he was originally from Russia, I can think of. But even w- when you go f- further down the line, Australia's always had uh, good fighters. Yeah, I'm I trying do- to think of his name right now. That starts with an F, dude. I know why it went blank. Um, he's, a, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he, he fought uh, Azuma Nelson, Jeff Fennick. Fennick, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, great, great fighter. Yes. You know, smart fighter. Um and if, uh, you know I, I'm a huge fan of Kostya Zhu's son as well. But I, I personally think that he, the opponents he's faced have not prepared him for the likes of, of Inoue. Um, Inoue's next level. And, and you know, Nonito was able to tough it out because of his experience and on, also because of his punching power that had to be respected and his counterpunching skills. Uh, Nonito's had to be respected for those for those things, so we'll we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm I I think it's going to end like a lot of Inoue's fights, uh, spectacular KO. But uh, you know we'll see. I think that it could because of Inoue's power. Um, but you know what? Sometimes the Bucks got to stop, and I think the size is a difference he's you know yeah. I think the reason why no needle was successful and was able to absorb the punishment that anyway but not forget anyway did hurt no needle numerous times in that fight but he was he able, did he was able to recover okay and this is a broken no needle in my opinion okay this was not the freshest no needle so no not at all that's why I'm, it, I'm questioning how good is anyway it that at that weight yeah. event. And let's be honest, he was quite lucky to get to the finals. He like was. Bunch, no, neither was, of, you know. A bunch of things needed to happen from to do that. And, you know, he's got 18 KOs and 21 wins, uh, Maloney does. So, you know, he does have punching power. Um, no, he does have punching power. He does have good legs, which something Nonito locked in the fight with anyway. That's why Nonito had to go with that route of going forward pressuring on uh, anyway showing his presence with his power i don't think maloney's gonna do that i think because he has more option he is the younger fresher guy you know uh, uh in terms of if you maloney and, and dornier that anyway's facing so i think what maloney's need to do is like i said he's got to body shot he's got to create these moments where he's not in front of anyway to counter and clip him with those short quick shots He's got to make sure after he does his work, don't pull back. Try to go around him, you know, so it makes it, you know, because, you know, automatically, if I was with Maloney, I would tell him automatically after you do your work, anyway, he's going to wait for you to pop up like a gopher and he's going to clip you. So instead of popping up, roll underneath him. So his hook goes over your head and you're on the side of him now. That's, yeah. how you're gonna, that's how you're going to create the, the time to get away from him and counter him. That would frustrate in your way because you'll make him now start thinking a bit quicker. Because right now, he's on one-track mode. I'm going to knock you out. And the way he knocks out guys, watch when he fights No Nito Dornier. He, he knocks him out by, by allowing him to come in, and then he traps him. 
Yeah, but he does do that. But he he's also just as effective knocking people out to the body as he is to the head. And, no, I, I, I agree with that. You know, he he can knock you out. He can knock you out with a counter punch, or he can knock you out being being the aggressive uh, come forward fighter. I, I personally, I think no. You know, he's the total package. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying he should move up. I don't think he should move up at all. No, I don't think so either. I think I this think, is probably the, the – I think this is the top ceiling, in yeah. my opinion. But I don't know. We never I, know. I mean, no, he I, may absolutely. go out there and blow out Maloney, you know? Yeah, he yeah, may and do he, it. yeah, and he moved up to this weight class. Um, yep. You know, I, he could have probably stayed at 115 pounds um, uh, longer than he did. I, I think he should collect all the belts at 118 – and just defend those titles uh, for a while. Um, well, he's and- got a he's got a great fight. If he beats Maloney in such a crazy fashion, or even wins by decision, who does he got next? Who's the guy? Oh, he's got uh, Ubali. Well, he or, got Ubali, uh, but he also got a uh, Casimiro. Uh, uh, oh, the right? ca- yeah, Casimiro, Casimiro, yeah. that that. Casimero. Yeah, dude, that's a woo. Jesus Maloney's gonna give him a fight. I I agree. I think he is. You know, but the one thing about about anyway that Amilcar was pointing out, and I've seen, is those body shots. That's one thing that Maloney's got to be cautious of because even when anyway fought Donier, that's how he was breaking Donier down. Was those body shots? Remember, that's what hurt Donier. I don't know what's going on, Emilcar. You got to fix your court again. And there was a highlight right now of Inouye landing the uppercut and that body shot. Like I said, he doesn't forget to touch the body. So it's going to be a very interesting story because it's going to be who establishes their body work first. Because don't forget, Maloney does go to the body as well, and he goes to the body fairly well. You know, so um, this is a great fight, man. To tell you the truth, I think this is the, the, the all the fights that are happening on Saturday night on night on Halloween is going to be the best trick or treat for us. Honestly, I'm I'm just excited about this here. You know, for these fights that are coming up. Uh, but let's go, let's go really quick, Miracle. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm calling you a Miracle, man. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh Who do you got? Who do you who are you picking for Saturday on ESPN between the monster anyway against uh, Jason Maloney? You're, I can't hear you. Plug in your thing. Me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. And on the mixer for the rest. Are of you the ready show. for takeoff? Yeah, uh, I'm sorry about this, Dave. I'll, I'll I've got like no five worries. of these. I'll, I'll replace it right after we we get off the air. Um, I got I got anyway by KO. And um, this highlight reel that we're showing is is proof of why I I should uh, be confident in that in that pick. Um, you know, he he's faced off against elite opponents and just sparked them guys that are where J- uh, Maloney wants to be. So um, I I'd love to be surprised by Maloney. I'd love to see it go. Go many, many rounds because I think that right. would be pertaining to all of us. But, uh, you know, Inoue's got a statement to make. This is his U.S. debut, hmm. you know. And The lawyer uh, puts Maloney is, is there to do a job. I think with COVID going on, 
I don't think managers are taking chances on prize fight, fight, fighters losing because their viewer count ma matters too much. Um, you're going with Anyway by KO. I'm going to go with Anyway as well by TKO. I think that the body shots are going to really creep up. Um, but I think that I think that you're going to see a lot of vulnerability from Anyway. I think Maloney's going to expose. This is a very tough fight for for anyway. It's a really good fight, you know. Um, but I just don't know if Maloney can keep the pace, the movement, the angles long enough so that he could stay away from the big shots that anyway is gonna throw. Because here's the thing: Davis conservative, very conservative with his punches. Anyway, isn't anyway is gonna land. He's he's gonna land something big every single round. You know, and it just sees. I just, I'm wondering, can Maloney hold up to that? Can he, can he withstand the punishment? Which is, it's going to be one shot here, two shots there. Because as we, anyway, is going to go. He's going to attack that body. He's going to look for that body. And if Maloney wants to establish his punches to the body, then he's got to be in the mouth of the lion. And I don't see that happening. I don't. I, I wouldn't recommend that at all. You got to plug in your mic again. Both on the same page on uh, most of these fights. Um, yeah. I think we're on the same page on all of them. And I look forward to Saturday and I look forward to Friday. And um, absolutely, I look forward to seeing you again next week to recap it all. Yep. And I might, I'm probably going to be on Saturday morning, guys, if, uh, you know, just kind of recap everything. We do have a roundtable for Thursday on D Styles channel. We all should be there. Um, um, if we're, if me and Milk are not going to be there, definitely there's going to be other guys film leaving the ring on the round table. But I do have plan on being on first thing in the morning, early in the morning, to just recap the fights that are happening. Uh, right, just just hit me up, just hit me up for that one day. There you go. All right, guys, you guys have a great night. Hope, uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy your trick or treating, all that other good stuff, because we're in for some treats on Saturday night here. Take care.